all the news you need to know. Welcome to the Beautiful Butterfly Show, where great people and great topics are brought together for stimulating and thought-provoking conversation, brought to you by the Vibration Radio Network. Welcome, everyone, to the Beautiful Butterfly Show. I'm your host, Bianca Fly. I want to say happy Thursday to you guys out there. I hope you had a fabulous day. I'm telling you guys, I'm excited. I've been looking forward uh, to this for a while now, uh, me and this guest tonight. We go back a while. She, I've known her since I first started uh, doing the Beautiful Butterfly Cast A, man, maybe like four or five years ago. That's how long I've known her. Um, and she came on the show uh, quite a few times and shared some pieces. Uh, and, and each and every time just blew me away. And it's just a phenomenal person. Uh, very down to earth, very supportive, and just speaks from her heart all the time, you guys. If you don't know who I'm talking about, you guys, I'm talking about nobody other than Florence Floetic Flow Malone tonight, as everybody calls her Floetic Flow. She's on here tonight, you guys. We're going to be talking about her new, her new uh, poetry album entitled Floetic Tears, man. And I'm telling you guys, you're in for a treat because tonight. Not only is she coming on here to discuss this album and, and other things, uh, but we are going to get to hear some tracks from this awesome album. I'm telling you guys, you guys are going to be blown away. Um, I sat and listened to her tracks um, just in, in pure silence, and, uh, man, just the different thoughts and emotions that ran through my mind uh, through that process, um, I tell you guys, definitely blew me away. So I'm excited. I'm honored and privileged that she would come on here to share this uh, with us and with the listeners and myself tonight, you guys. I'm excited about her. And um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, and then I'm going to bring her on, you guys. Uh, Flo Wettick Flo, a celebrated poet, spoken word artist, and teen mom advocate. She was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, where her love for poetry spurned uh, from her ability to express herself through creative writing while decompressing from life's adversities. As a former teenage mother, she found a safe place inside the blank pages of a notebook and later found her voice to be a blessing to others. She is the creator of POW, Power of Words, a traveling motivational innovative uh, dedicated to, uh, sorry, initiative uh, dedicated to positive affirmations, building self-confidence, and encouraging self-esteem through public speaking engagements, poetry performances. Her goal is to demonstrate the power of healing through words to our youth by sharing an alternative to the drug usage, sex, violence, 
often used to mass pain. She has reached students at a host of high schools, colleges, and community organizations with her message. Uh, Florence introduced herself to the world of poetry with the release of her first CD, The Conscious Floetic Flow, in 2011, that is currently ranked on Reverb Nation shortly after she published her first collection of poetry, I Am Poetry, in 2002, which resulted in her being nominated for most conscious poet of Cincinnati in 2013, and that is available on innerchildpress.com or amazon.com. And now, you guys, we have been blessed with Flow Edit Tears, uh, which releases um, now. And uh, man, I'm telling you, it's going to be something that uh, she says takes you on a journey of wordplay, taking its listeners from trial to testimony to triumph. And when I tell you guys, it is that and more, it definitely is. So we're going to be talking with her tonight. And as always, you guys are welcome to call in. Show us some love. Um, people always love to hear their, their supporters and loved ones call in. So you can do that by calling in at 347-326-9139 and press the number one, and I'll be happy to bring him on the line uh, throughout the broadcast. So I'm not going to delay any further. I'm going to bring the lady of the hour on here. Flo, you there? Hey, 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 hey. What's going on? <laughs> I am doing great. How are you doing? Girl, I said, let me be on time for my sister. I was rushing to the through the door like, like <laughs> oh, oh, I'm on the phone. I'm like running like I'm in the airport or something. <laughs> Man, I tell you, I definitely appreciate you coming on here. It's been a while. It's been a minute um, since we I've had you on the show, but I, I'm glad that you are back. Um, and, and you never stop grinding. You always grinding and, and making things happy. So I, I'm glad to see that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just honored that um you you have me on here. It's always a a pleasure to you know, be in your presence, even though we've never officially met. feels like I've right. just known you all my life, so I appreciate you and the love that you show me. You are quite welcome, quite welcome. And, of course, uh, as I told the folks out there uh, listening a little bit um, about yourself, um, for you, um, when did you first discover, when did you first discover um, your love and your passion uh, for poetry and, and spoken word? You know what? Um, I, I tell people all the time that I came out of the womb doing poetry, and I think when I say that, people are always kind of like, "Okay, she's being a poet," and right. I'm not. I'm not being a poet when I say that. Uh, when I say I came out of the womb doing poetry, uh, for me, poetry is beauty and ugliness and life and death all at the same time. So, um, you know, I've not made it a secret um, about my relationship with my my birth mother. Um, That's been some of what my poetry has been based on. So, like I said, I I just feel like I've been doing it all my life. I mean, came out a poet. (laughs) Right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. And, of course, um, as I read in your bio, um, it talks about how um, you um, were a teen mom and you're actually um, a teen mom um, advocate. Uh, What made you decide that um, you wanted to be an advocate uh, for teen mom, just besides um, being one yourself? What was it that made you want to get out here and, and kind of be that voice and help others through that process? 
Well, actually, um, it's, it's a place here in Cincinnati called Visions Early Learning Center. At the mm-hmm. time, it was Visions Community Center, and a lady by the name of Marcia Sims, she started it for teen moms um, in the area so they would have kind of a safe place to be able to take their children to, but at the same time have support in going back to school. So this program has always, like, been involved in my life um, since the age of 15. Even Mm -hmm. when my children became of age, um, they still had me coming back doing stuff for the program and everything. Um, I was always their voice, always telling their parent committee, just telling my story of being a teenage mom. And about Mm -hmm. um, three, four years ago, um, I came on with the center as an enrollment specialist. And then last year I was um, promoted to parent coordinator because they felt like I did, although I didn't have a degree for the particular position that I was in, I had the experience, I had the know-how, I had the relationship with the moms. Because I, right. I think one of the toughest things, I mean, there's a lot of tough things in this world, but when you're a teenage mom, you're kind of in the middle of two situations. The world right. expects you to be an adult because mm-hmm. you have this child who you're supposed to make decisions right. for, but at the same right. time, you're still you still have the emotions of a child. You still want to do things that the other teams are doing. So Absolutely. that's one of the, the reasons why I, I speak for them um, because I know what it feels like to be in that position, to have to play two roles at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what have you found, like, going and, and, and interacting uh, with other um, people who are teen moms? Uh, what, what are some of the, the, the struggles that they deal with um, in that arena of, of just readjusting? Well, let me, let me say this. Today's teen mother is yeah. totally different than what I was as a teen mother 27 right. years ago. Um, because they face more issues now than what they did then. Um, we have a society of young adults who have taken to committing suicide. Um, we have babies mm-hmm. who are yeah. being born with all type of illness and learning disabilities. Right. Um, it's, it's just so different. Yeah, um, We have a society of young people who don't necessarily care about striving and making mm-hmm. it to, you know, the overall goal. They just, they're trying to make it right. day to day. Right. So what I found is, like, they need something to focus on because my theory at the center I work at is that if we create a better parent, then we'll create a better child. It's really mm-hmm. it's really hard to concentrate on your child needs when you're right. still trying to fulfill your own needs. Right. So, right. you know, they want you to be concerned about what it is your baby's learning. Well, I'm I'm still working on what I'm learning. So, right. you know, I got all all my life to work on what the child is learning, but I got to kind of get mm-hmm. mine right now because we live in a right now society. Absolutely. 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 And, and do you think that um, during the time that you became um, a teen mom, uh, what was it that made you, you know, have that focus and have that drive to, you know, make your kids uh, the focal point of striving even harder so that they could have um, a better life? Well, I think one of the things um, for me was 
that I did have an older um, mother. So that's totally different than um, having a teenage mom because you kind of get installed with a different set of values. Right. You know, um, they always say a dummy can't teach a, a dummy can't teach a dummy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the word dummy means don't know. So it, it's, it's just kind of like, you know, I had an older mom, um, so a lot of the things that I needed to know and stuff, she kind of put forth in me and was like, no, you will do this. You know, you mm-hmm. or I had not so much, a, she was my grandmother. She raised me and she was kind of like, well, no, this is how this is supposed to be done. And no, right. you know, you you can't have the baby up all night and stuff like that. So it was a, it was a different mm-hmm. experience. Right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. I think um, as well as having, um, as, as you mentioned, uh, certain folks around, you know, such as, as grandmothers and when you do have an older parent, um, it's a different type of wisdom um, that you would get hints of what you might get nowadays, you know, from how moms, because you have moms and grandmoms who are still young. You know, grandmoms right. are still trying to get out here and do their thing so they don't have time to sit home and take care of the grandbabies. And, and the mothers are just as young, and they don't necessarily, you know, know what to do. And so it's just, you know, everybody's searching for what do I do. So it is great to have um, that foundation of, of um, who can give you that insight and give you that knowledge on, you know, how, how this whole parenting or, or this thing called life goes. Um, because nowadays, um, you know, the parents are, are getting younger and the, the grandparents are just as young. So trying to get that solid foundation um, may be a little harder, you know, for kids nowadays. Well, you know, the one the one thing that my mom slash grandmother always says to me or always said to me was the world was getting weaker and wiser. Um, mm. and so it, it's some benefits and some disadvantages to having right. um an older right. guardian. Um, you know, right. one of the things that, that I tell people and that I don't make a secret is that I, I did come from a house where it was kind of like what goes on in this house stays in this house. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was mm-hmm. one of the disadvantages because um, we learned to kind of bury those secrets within us and to kind of deal with them. And as, as we know, secrets when left unattended too long, eventually destroy our person and who it is we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. you know, it, it, everything has its advantages and its disadvantages. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, I, I wanted to ask you, um, for you, um, when you go, because you, you, you touch a lot of, um, go to a different a lot of venues and interact with a lot of people, what do you think that, that poetry um and spoken word brings into people's lives because people are always touched, you know, in different ways um, by hearing people speak. What do you think it is about poetry and, and spoken word that connects people on such a, a deep and even conscious level? You know, I, I think it brings insight. Um, the mm-hmm. one thing that I always tell people, you know, poetry can never be good, it can never be bad, because it's somebody's personal insight about how they feel about something. So if I say something and you dig what I say, that's great. But if you don't, that's cool too. But a lot of Mm -hmm. times when people say stuff doing poetry and 
doing your spoken word, it's things that someone else might have been thinking, but at the same time would have never been brave enough to actually say it, you know. So I think it kind of gives some, wow, I was thinking that. I was feeling that. Absolutely, absolutely. And so for you, um, is it is it difficult for you um, going to different, because I know you perform at different venues in front of uh, different people. You do private engagements and public engagements. Um, do you still get the, or have you ever gotten those butterflies before you get ready to yes. deliver certain pieces to people? Yes, all, all the time. <laughs> all, all the time. People are, are really shocked that I feel real nervous. Um, do you think like it's one of those aspects that if you didn't um, get the butterflies, then it may necessarily mean that, um, I don't know, maybe it wouldn't be as comfortable or wouldn't give you um, that You know, that for me, I'm like the day I stopped, the day <laughs> I stopped getting the butterflies is, is the day I got to wonder if, if, if God's still using me. Mm. You know, yeah. because I'm like, yeah. as long as I'm getting the butterflies, that means because because I tell people this this poetry thing, it really ain't got nothing to do with me. I mean, I I do it, mm. and I'm the tool that he used, but it's a gift that God gave me. So at any point in time, he can decide that I'm no longer worthy of that gift. Mm-hmm. So as long as I'm getting nervous and stuff, I feel like he's still moving through me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I, I love that statement. Um, definitely love it. And uh, one of the things um, I, I wanted to ask you is that um, do you find that for you um, being, um, because I've, I've heard different poets um, talk about some get, get writer's block and some just are able to flow or whatever, where do you draw some of your inspiration um, from um, to create um, some of the pieces that you do create? Just life in general, just mm-hmm. just life. Um, I, I'm inspired by life. So every moment, everything that I see, whether the good or bad, inspires me. Um, mm-hmm. From the from the boys on the block, they inspire me. To you know the the girls in the in the Chinese store that's buying the weave, they inspire me. <laughs> to yeah. the community gardens, they inspire me. To the neighborhood mm-hmm. churches. They inspire me. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. And, and what do you think now from the the first album you released back in 2011, uh, The Conscious Fluidic Flow? How have you grown? How do you think you have grown um, through the, from then to where we are now with uh, Fluidic Tears? It's 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 been it's been a real journey. When I first did the conscious flowetic flow, um, I was just doing the conscious flowetic flow just just to do it. I mean, I was into poetry and everything, but what I had really decided was um, I'd had a string of deaths in my family. I had lost my brothers, and mm-hmm. I had decided that um, I wanted to leave something so that my mm-hmm. kids would always remember me and they would know what it was that I was about. And I never wanted mm-hmm. them to forget the sound of my voice. Right. So yeah. I, I did the CD wow. and I asked um, Mike Crump 
um, who mm-hmm. is my my manager um, slash significant right. other. But at the time, he right. was he was just my friend. I asked him if he would help me, and he asked yeah. me what was the why did I want to do a CD, and I explained to him my reasoning. And when he heard yeah. it, he was kind of like, you know what? I just feel like everybody really need to hear this CD. We need yeah. to get this, you know, popping. Right. So he was a he was the number one person that was just like the CD. Well, then we decided yeah. that we, you know, we did the book and everything with Bill Peters. Shout out to Intertail Press, our publishing. Um, he was very inspiring to me. But I was working on this. I said, oh, I'm going to do another CD. I'm going to do another CD. And mm-hmm. Butterfly, it took me about two and a half <laughs> years to do the CD. Yeah. It, it took me, like, some time because I, I went yeah. through some things. Like, man, it was right. it was crazy. Um, right. I went back to school, and um, my youngest one, she had a um, she had a tumor in her breast. Mm. And one of the pieces that, that you'll listen to tonight, um, yeah. it, it was, you know, lyrics. That's that's all about her and stuff, and me okay. just listening to my baby girl. And um, it was just crazy stuff going on. My mom, um, yeah. she says, Grandma, she failed. And she, it threw her dementia into like overhaul and everything and stuff. And she stopped walking, and I had to take care of her and everything and stuff. And then yeah. in November, um, I got sick, and I started getting sick around September. When I went to the doctor, she said like I had like eight pounds of fibroid tumors, and that wow. I needed to have a hysterectomy. Mm. And I was kind of like, what? Well, that made me have to put my mom in a nursing home. Right. And I was just kind of like, you know, like, God, what am I going to do? Like, who? Because right. I had always been taking care of somebody. I'm like, you know, I don't have anybody. You know, my my mom has lost eight children. It's just me. She's the only thing that I've had. I have my children, but mm. at the same time, what what yeah. am I going to do? And what he right. said was, you know, I'm going to fill you up with so much of me that you're going to live. Mm. You, you're simply going to wow. live. You're going to trust. You're going to live. Um, one of my good friends, a poet here in Cincinnati, Detox, said, you know what, you're so used to struggling that you don't know what it is to, to thrive. And I was mm. kind of like, huh? And he was like, you know, it's time for you to thrive in your life. And, you know, my brother, Romeo Donati, shout out to him. He was kind of like, you know, sis, everything's going to be all right. Just tell, you know, plugging positivity into me and stuff because I, I just kind of thought I was going to lose my mind with a growth. Because back then at Conscious Floatic Flow, I would have probably lost my mind versus Floatic right. Tears. I'm like, you know what? I'm a conqueror. I cannot and will not be taken out of the game that fast. I'm okay Absolutely. with the things that happen to me. Mm-hmm. So that's the wow. that's the growth. It's, it's one thing to have stuff happen to you. It's another thing to be okay with what happens with you. Right. Absolutely. That's a whole different story. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Because a lot of times we, we, we see negative things happen and transpire, transpire in our life and we sit in back like, why? You know, and we're questioning like, why why are these things happening to us? And sometimes uh, we don't always want to see uh, the learning lesson um, and, and the nuggets that come out of those situations. But there is purpose in everything. You know, everything that happens uh, comes with purpose. And so it, it drives us and it motivates us to definitely look at things, you know, from a different perspective, you know, and, and appreciate things a little more, 
uh, and, and kind of it kind of makes you focus. Um, like you said, you were always used to taking care of others, so now you're in a position where it's 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 about you, and the focus is on you. You know, so that's a whole different world, especially when you get so accustomed and used to you know taking care of others um, and being there for other people. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's definitely a whole different focus. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we have a, a caller on the line who's been waiting patiently. We've got quite a few on the line um, tonight, you guys. I'm going to uh, bring our first caller in from the – we've got a lot of 513 uh, flow. You're bringing all the, all the peeps out from the – from the area. Nasty, nasty. Uh, Ain't nothing wrong with that. Look, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Appreciate the nasty, nasty. We got the area code 513, last digits 1695. Face your name and where you calling from. Peace, love, and poetry. This is Romeo DiNatti, calling from the Nasty Natty. Shout out, How Brother you Fly. Doing, Shout Romeo? out to the I'm, I'm well, I'm well, I'm well. <laughs> Enjoying, I get a chance to hear my sister back online on air. Congratulations, Poetic Flow, with another feature and the release of it. Is, is this technically your third album? Actually, actually, it is my it's my third. Yeah, it is my third. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, congratulations on your technically third album release. <laughs> I appreciate that. Absolutely, Romeo. Romeo. Let me ask you, um, as a poet, um, how have you found um, knowing Flow? As long as you have known her, what do you, what do you think it is about her um, and her poetry um, that delivers such a, a powerful message and connection to those who have the privilege um, to have been able to listen uh, to her or even see her perform live? I would say it's real, it's truth, it's, it's honesty, um, it's love. Um, when she mm-hmm. speaks her message, is is for the love she has for her people, the love she has for her community, the love she has for her family and friends, um, and, and it's just it's just real that that you not only hear, but you feel, and there's a part can uh, relate to it easily because um, mm-hmm. she speaks on things that is 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 a condition that ninety nine percent of the people on this earth have to deal with in one form or fashion. Um, and it's, it's just it comes from a place of of caring and compassion that um, it, it just translates from from the love she has into her poetry. Um, right. it, it's powerful, um, and, and and not just her voice, but um, her word. It, it, it mm-hmm. hits you. It, it sticks with you. Um, it, it's just a joy to be around her. I've known Flo for a number of years. And she lives what she speaks about. Um, right. I had a chance to to, to just around. You know, it, it's not all about poetry. You know, we we've shared just talks. We've shared meals. Um, I mean, that's that's I love her absolutely. And what she speaks about is a great message that, like like Mike said, the world needs to hear her story and her words. Oh, you about to make me all emotional. Hey, hey, that's what that's what Flo does. She makes people emotional. But I had a question. If you second question, absolutely, you got a question for me? Yes, my question is: if you could categorize your poetry, your message, 
and um, the fruit, vegetable, or herb, what would it be? Hmm, fruit, vegetable, or herb. That's an interesting. <laughs> Man, as bad as I want to be a herb, I would have to say it was it's a vegetable. What vegetable? Yeah, Why? yeah. I, I, it's not one. It's not one vegetable. Um, and the okay. reason why it's, it's vegetables because sometimes we eat vegetables and they don't necessarily taste good for us, but they're always good for us. All vegetables are good for us. Um, fruit, you know, sometimes you got to be careful with fruit because it turns into um, sugar and, mm. you know, sometimes yeah. it can be used kind of like uh, depending on what your body want to do with it. Herbs, uh, more or less healing purpose. Um, but not necessarily nutrition value with vegetable, mm-hmm. even though it may not taste necessarily good, it's gonna have some type of nutrition value which is gonna lead to healing. Mm. Right. Thank you. And, for I, that. and I and like I said I don't um butterfly, I don't know if you knew this and I um I'm in school for mm-hmm. nutrition. So I'm finishing up my, my last three classes. Um over Yes, the summer. I've been seeing it. Yeah. Yeah, I I have a degree associates in nutrition and science. Awesome, 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 awesome. That's awesome. Thank Romeo is doing, um, doing them, doing them shakes and stuff. So he, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was on he that, that sexy appeal for the summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he getting it in with them shakes. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, awesome, awesome question. Uh, from a Romeo, you guys. Oh, I think it's call drop actually, but hopefully he'll be able to call back in. Um, and what I want to do is, uh, of course, I know people are anticipating and want to hear track. Um, so I'm going to start with um, ghetto uniforms. Um, I think I'm going to save one of my favorites for last, just because. But um, yeah, ghetto uniforms. Uh, and um, we're going to play that, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about that and, and how that one came about, um, you guys. Uh, so you guys will tune in to the beautiful Butterfly Show. We are on with Floetic Flow tonight, you guys. We're talking about her album entitled Floetic Tears, you guys. This first piece I'm going to be playing tonight is entitled Ghetto Uniform. So we're going to play this. We're going to come back, and we're going to find out where the inspiration behind this um, piece in particular came from uh, so you guys can hear that as well. White tees, blue jeans, pants hanging down to your knees. Ghetto uniforms. Let me ask you a question. What team do you play for? Playing the position of defense all because of the offenses that were done against you. But you see, your willingness to conform to an outfit that signifies a behavior that doesn't belong to you classifies your need to take part in an assembly whose sole purpose by this society has been classified as weak simply because the outfit is not unique. White tees, blue jeans, pants hanging down to your knees. This look gives your teammates a bad name. Stereotypical fashion that is seen on TV. All is missing is your jersey number, a.k.a. your digits, and seven or more 
may explain the crucial piece in life that you as a team member have been missing. Because statistics say that one in every three black men will be sent to the state. 59% of brothers will be charged with a drug case. And 29% of black men will be convicted of rape. Let's not even talk about the brothers that go falsely accused. All because of the outfit they subconsciously choose. Y'all might as well put on your county blues. Young men, do me a favor. Please stop being fools. It's hard enough out here in these streets just being you. The complexion of your skin makes it hard for you to win. And if you lose, so do we. Because there are already too many brown babies being born and not and not enough whole unit families. And I, I as a mother, I write this piece as a play because you and your life, believe it or not, it matters to me. And ghetto uniforms, they're way too recognizable out here in these streets. Especially when the gang rocks to say that every young black man just joined the team. White tees, blue jeans, pants hanging down to your knees. Ghetto uniform. Take them off. Please. All right, you guys, and that was Ghetto Uniforms by the one and the only Florida Flow, you guys. And if you are just tuning in, we are discussing her new album, you guys, Floetic Tears, uh, tonight as well. And uh, I do want to um, invite all the listeners and all of that um, out here um, to go out and support an event that YRN, your radio network, which I am a part of, uh, is sponsoring by King Yetta York going down in Atlanta, Georgia, April 9th, you guys. That's the Let Your Voice Be Heard it is a sexual assault awareness um, event that's taking place uh, from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Decatur Art House, you guys. Um, so make sure you guys go and check that out. Going on April 9th, 2016, you guys. So you got next weekend to get ready to prepare for that. It's going to be food, fashion show, music, spoken word, live art, and all that good stuff. You guys can go to eventbrite.com um, and purchase your tickets. Get some VIP tickets as well, you guys, so let your voice be heard going down um, at the Decatur Art House, you guys. So if you are in the Atlanta and surrounding areas, go out, support um, it's going to be a phenomenal event. Uh, she has great speakers um, there who are going to be telling their story about sexual assault um, and their journeys through that and um, living through that. So make sure you go, guys go out and support that. So we're going to get back to Flo and Flo, you guys. Uh, Flo, tell us about Ghetto Uniforms, uh, which speaks volumes, and I think, you know, a lot of times um, listening to that, I um, I thought to myself, man, you never think about it. You never think about how we present ourselves and how we kind of make ourselves our, our own target, so to speak, towards other people. So what was your inspiration um, behind Ghetto Uniforms? Well, the place where I work at is across the street from our high school, Mm-hmm. So I go over to the high school sometime and I do poetry uh, with okay. the kids. And I was just looking out the window really one day, and I was like, God, all of them kind of, all the guys was kind of dressed like these T-shirts and these 
these jeans hanging down and everything. And I was like, it's like a new, it's like it's in like a new prison uniform. And when I said mm-hmm. that, I was like, it's a ghetto uniform. I was like, you know, it's a translation of prison uniform. So I came home and I told Mike about it. I was like, you know, they all got on ghetto uniforms. And he was like, ghetto uniforms? So I was like, yeah, it's the new prison outfit. And I was like, I'm going to run with that and see where it takes me <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. And then that's what happened. Ghetto uniforms was the one. Because um, I kept thinking about, you know, when they pull, when they pull our young men over and they say, you fit this description and I'm like, well what description mm. do they fit? Because we all right. don't look alike. Absolutely. We don't we don't look alike. You know what I'm right. saying? Um, right. I had my, my friend um creator Tiffany Ware, she um is heavily involved with the Brown Girl project and recently we did an event and one of the things I say, my black is beautiful but my brown is unique. And I, I told mm. the baby has seventeen different colors of brown, but it come in fifty different shades. We mm. all don't look alike. So when they pull right. you over and they say you fit the description, the question should be, what description do I fit? Mm. Yeah. And that's where ghetto uniforms mm. come from. Because I'm like, I, I want y'all babies to get out of this mentality. You know, you see in these videos, and that's what they got on these videos, the same look and stuff. That's not a good look for us. Right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and what do you think? Like, how do, you know, as men as and as women, because you have um, you know a lot of women who um, are raising young men, uh, single parents, and you um, have fathers out here who are single parents as well, and, and those who you know have the two parent household. How do we get back to where we can bring more positive aspects um, to specifically our black males? Um, I'm pretty sure that you know seeing in the media and and what's going on. And what has been going on uh, when it comes to black males, um, especially, oh, man, within, even in the last six months, uh, it's just one thing after another. So how do we change the outlook of how people perceive black men in general? Well, I think before we can change how people perceive black men in general, we got to change how black men perceive black men. So you, you you got two different things going on here. You got your ghetto uniforms that are dominating the scene right now. And then you got wholesome brothers that's out here trying to make them work, trying to be dads and everything. Right. So the young men that are coming up, they're getting more of a view of the ghetto uniforms and they thinking mm-hmm. that's the way to kind of blend in and everything. Right. So we we gotta have more people involved. Um, mm-hmm. Can't can't it just can't happen overnight. You we gotta take them to some different events. You gotta show them some different things. We can't continue to, to flood them out with the same thing. And then once that happens, we gotta direct ourselves and be different. Right. Absolutely. But you can only Absolutely. be what you what you're taught. Absolutely. And, and, and uh, no, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. So, sometimes it happened the other way because sometimes you could put all all into it and it, it is still come out that way just because society has a greater influence on our children than what we do at this point in time and what you know the grandmas and everything like that do. So it, it it's work, right? Do you think that is just a matter that some people 
don't have the tools necessarily that they need, meaning they don't have that support, they don't have um, that village um, to give them a boost. And it kind of relates to how we were talking about earlier in the show about, you know, having elders and older parents and and grandmothers around uh, to share some wisdom with you. Do you think it's the fact that a lot of these young men don't have that foundation, they don't have that village um, to, to mold them? you know, into those great men that we know that they can be. Yeah, I, I think that, and I think they just don't know. Um, the one thing yeah. that, I, that I've learned in this little journey, um, that it's easier to be a failure than it is to be a success. Mm. And yeah. then once you decide you want to be a success, you have to decide what are you being a success in. So how do you want the how do you view your success and how do you want the world to view your success? Right. Absolutely. And once again, that comes Absolutely. to exposure because success may not be anything more to you than than being the biggest D boy on the block. You know what I'm saying? Success mm-hmm. might not mm-hmm. be nothing to you, but having all the Jordans and everything and stuff. You know. So you gotta kinda of decide what what do I want the world of you be as? You know, I, I wanted to ask you, um, in all the years that you have uh, been doing uh, poetry, what has been, um, if any, one of the most difficult pieces, um, or is still one of the most difficult pieces for you to perform um to this day? TikTok. Mm. Yeah, tick TikTok um piece that I did on the conscious poetic flow and um the piece I did, uh, you know, I'm a former member of the Coochie Chronicle cast. It's mm-hmm. the piece that I did, um doing the Coochie Chronicles was TikTok. And it mm-hmm. it was one of the most difficult pieces that I, I've ever done and it's still one of the most difficult pieces for me. Right. And what like what what makes it um one of those hard pieces to, you know, perform. Um, it, it, it for me because it made my reality come alive. Um, when I wrote mm. TikTok, um, I was just flow. I hadn't became floatic flow yet. And right. I was working for Job Corps and um I was meeting all these young ladies and men who had all these issues and to be honest with yeah. you, I didn't realize that I had had any issues or anything. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that, that things were an issue for me. So I met I met a young lady, um, and just was like hearing all these stories. Um, one little girl um, had got got killed by her stepfather um, because she had children by him, and he had killed her to keep the secret. And um, one wow. little guy that I put in, he had got killed in the park and one little boy jumped out of the window and committed suicide and it was like mm-hmm. there was all these issues and it made me start looking at my own issues that until right. I started working for job court I really didn't even know exists. Like I didn't I didn't know my molestation was a problem because I was taught that it was worse things that could happen to me. So wow. I didn't know that it was it was an issue because yeah. even though he did a bunch of other stuff to me because he didn't penetrate me, I was taught that it wasn't an issue. And until I wrote TikTok, I didn't know my issues was my issues. Like, um, mm. I think I might have took I, I took my first sip of liquor probably when I was about six, seven years old because um, 
we they kept it under the bed and stuff all the time and everything. Somebody uh-huh. time somebody had an issue, somebody was getting a drink and stuff. So at six, seven mm-hmm. years old, when I started seeing them having issues and arguing and stuff, I started sneaking up under the bed getting drinks because, you know, that was what do. Or when your mother offers you a value when you're 12 because she said it would calm your nerves and everything. I didn't know that was the issue until I wrote TikTok. Mm-hmm. You you thought that that was just the way things were being yeah, drinking, I mean, but, drinking by the time when you had a problem. I was 12, and, yeah, yeah but by, by the time I was 12, I thought every little kid went to prison to visit their family members. So when I met other little kids and they told me that they had never been to prison and stuff, I thought something was wrong with them. I was like, what's wrong with you? You ain't never been to prison? Mm-hmm. Because we was always going, we was always going to somebody's prison. We was always taking a basket or or taking pictures and everything like that. So I thought mm-hmm. that was normal, and I didn't really begin to examine my own life until I wrote TikTok. So for the longest, every time I did TikTok, it would make me cry. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy because when I first wrote TikTok, I used third person. But then by the time I ain't even on the CD, it's in third person. But by the time I performed it at Coochie Chronicle, I started saying I because I started connecting with it, realizing that, you know, I was like, this is actually me. This stuff really happened to me. This wasn't, right. you know, this, this wasn't somebody else. This was me. Right. Wow. Wow. Wow, wow. And, and that's one of the things of growing up um, and, and seeing people um, do different things in their homes. And a lot of us, you know, especially when you have that, that, that mentality over your household that whatever goes on in this house stays in this house, which so many of us grew up under. Um, and some of us, you know, carry those policies, those, those, you know, policies kind of over into even our own families. Um, and that's the reason why now you have so many people who, you know, they are just now coming out of, of talking about how they were molested, how they were raped, how they were abused later on in their childhood because they are now as adults finding that freedom that I can I can talk about this. But, but so many of us had that cap over our family that whatever goes on in this household stays in this household, you, meaning you don't go out, you don't tell nobody, you don't tell neighbors, you definitely tell nobody at school about what's going on in this house. So for a lot of people, they automatically assume that this is the norm, you know, what's going on in my house is normal, when a lot of times it's, it's not. Well, well, the thing about it is, too, um, not only did I, I think it was, yeah, I think it was normal. I kind of was was kind of taught and was programmed to believe that it, it was my fault. So it was mm. kind of like stay out of the way, right? It was like stay stay right. out stay out the way. Like you know, when I'm told what right. had happened and everything and stuff, it was like stay so well, stay out of the way. Like you know, you you all over here, blah blah blah. Stay out of the way. So. I had two issues to deal with. One, blaming myself for particular things that happened in my life. Two, justifying it by saying, hey, this could be worse. This could be worse. Right. This could happen this way. Right. You know what I'm saying? If if he made me if he made me play with his penis, well, you know, he he could have put it in me. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It was just it mm-hmm. it was it was always something worse that could have happened. And that's yeah. the way I began to view life and stuff. Like, you know, um, if if he called me a, a B, then he could have slapped me. If he slapped me, he could have punched me. I, You know, mm. I began to justify things that was going on with me. And it wasn't really wow. until I wrote TikTok 
until I worked for Job Corps. And I was like, well, God, these babies got all this stuff going on, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, no, wait, you had all this stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You you had all this stuff. This is this is your stuff. These things that they're going through. These are things that happen to you, and you just learn to adjust to it. But you keep having these issues because you haven't really looked them in the eye and dealt with them. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, we have a another caller. You guys are just tuning in. We are on with Flow Edit Flow. You guys, we are. Um, discussing her life, um, her journey, her growth, and also her album, you guys, Fluidic Tears. And uh, earlier we listened to a piece entitled Ghetto Uniforms, and we're going to play another track from it uh, tonight. And um, I'm going to go to this caller first, and then we're going to get to another track. we got a caller from the 347 last digits, 1284. State your name for us. Hey, this is William Washington, Spanish Harlem, New York City. Hey, how you doing, William? I'm, I'm well. I'm well. I'm, I'm sorry. I must apologize for getting in so late. Thanks, uh, special thanks to Romeo Donati for reminding me. You know, and um, absolutely. Yes, because when this sister talks, I listen. Her story is so <laughs> compelling. No, listen. Your story yeah. is so compelling, and it's a story that must be told because there are women out there who need to hear the way you you come out of it because they're mm-hmm. trapped in that right now. That confusion. Mm-hmm. And whether you've come out of it or not, they need to hear some another powerful woman, a woman of power, talking about it to show that it does happen to women of power. It does happen to women of grace. It does happen to women from the church. It does happen to those type women, not just the street women, not just the women you see in the magazines or on the videos. It happens to God-fearing women. So they need to see this, to believe the phenomenon that what it is, the abuse of family in family phenomenon. They need to know that. That it happens to righteous families, God-fearing families. So I'm thankful mm-hmm. that you are alive on this earth to tell your story, because you are empowering mm-hmm. not just women, because boys go through the same thing. Right. So I right. just thank God for you, sister. I thank right. God for you, and I'm not going to be long-winded. And I'm just so glad I was able to call in and support you. I appreciate Absolutely. you, William Washington. You know, you're one of my favorite mm-hmm. poets. So definitely oh. appreciate you. Oh, he my. is. Well, listen, William, William, William is awesome. William is an awesome guy. He he, he speaks with a lot of passion, a lot of passion um, in his pieces, and it's one of the things I have enjoyed uh, over the years. William also goes back um, with me back to the beautiful Butterfly Cafe days when we used to do the poetry show. Wow! Yeah, he's been been riding for a while. Right, right. Okay, I didn't know if that was you. You're back. Okay, listen, y'all is good. God is good. You've been away a little too long for my liking. I was like, "What? She don't love me no more?" But that's all right. You're back. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. You know? Absolutely. Thank you so yeah. much for calling in. You're welcome. You're so welcome. God bless you. All right. All right, you guys. That was we in Washington. You guys can find him on Facebook as well. I'm telling you, awesome, awesome poet. He definitely speaks with a lot of passion, touches on a lot of topics. Um, and just brings the truth, you guys, so make sure you check him out as well, you guys. We're going to go to our next caller from the 832, last digits, 4074. State your name and where you're calling from. Be fly, flow, Cypress Keys. Oh, Lordy. Hey, Keith. How are you? I'm good. What's going on with you? I'm in Houston, Texas. I hear you, Houston, Texas. What's going on? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good, just chilling. But I had to call yeah. in and uh, let everybody know how amazing this woman is, man. Yeah, 
I mean, just yeah. like, on, a pers- on a personal level, she's like the coolest person in the world. You know what I mean? Like just getting to meet her and chop it up with her and talk to her and just fellowship with her. She's an amazing person. She's just good people, fun to be around. You know what I mean? Man, I had a ball with you guys this um, this past summer and stuff. I mean, I, I got so much so much love for the BPC because it was just like if you ain't never been, I got to meet man, Rin and Payne, China Blue was there, Easy Bad. Awesome. I mean, it was just like yeah, yeah, I think that's the coolest thing in the world to go and meet other poets that you talk to like on Facebook and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Man, Keith, Keith, I have, yeah, Keith is another one, man. Um, He definitely uh, came around the beautiful Butterfly Cafe a lot. And uh, Keith, Keith used to give me, keep me going. I'm going to tell you guys why. Because when, when I first became a mom, Keith would uh, drop these pieces early in the morning. I think me and Keith right, and right, uh, right. a few other people was the only ones online in the morning. And he would drop these pieces uh, while I'm with the baby. And I'm telling you guys, they were just amazing. And so I look forward to those 4, 3 a.m. Um, pieces that he would post um, in the morning. Um, he is a talented brother um, and very supportive, and just just all around good people. You know, you know, you don't get a chance to meet good people all the time, but when you do, you definitely um, hold them dear. So he is definitely uh, a good person uh, to get to know. So thought I'd let you know. That. Yeah, I, I would wake <laughs> up like, what he post now? What he post now? Right, like, let me right. See, let me like, see did me I miss it? Day. Am I late? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I still do it from time to time, but it's just like time and time management. Yeah. And, yeah. Because um, yeah. I'm working on my own um, CD at the moment as well. Oh, I so, can't wait. I was going to say, can't wait. I know, yeah, I'm right? Playing, you know, I'm playing on yours, Jeff, so I can snatch that real quick. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is what's up. Well, we definitely appreciate you coming through and hanging with us this evening. Oh, God, I appreciate you having me. I'm going to sit back and uh Rock out with y'all and listen to the okay. CD and uh, pick it up as soon as it drops. But um, much love, ladies. Uh, please drop right out. All right. Thank you. Much love to you as well. Well, peace. Awesome, awesome, man. Everybody come through this five man. Y'all, y'all don't know these. These are some of our favorite people. Uh, coming through tonight, um, especially even with our special guest tonight, you guys. If you are just tuned in, we are on with Floetic Flow, you guys. We're talking about her new album, Floetic Tears, you guys. And I know y'all want to hear some more from it, so we're going to go uh, to one that she actually mentioned earlier in the show um, pertaining <clears throat> to her daughter. Um, and so I'm going to let her share um, a little bit more about that after we play it. But this track is entitled Lyrics, you guys, and this is Floetic Flow from Floetic Tears right here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show. This piece. This piece be for all the lyrics that when put together made beautiful sounds, but made the assumption that nobody heard them. Well, I want you to know that I heard you. I heard you lyrics, I heard you through concrete walls, roach-infested halls. I heard you through mama sobs of praying to the Lord not to take her baby away. I heard you through lonely cold nights, and I didn't ignore your pleas just because there was no drama in my life, because to me, 
your melanie was still beautiful. No matter how it was brought forth and it needed to be heard. Because everybody got a song that needs to be sung. From the man on 5th Street who's singing the blues. To the motherless child whose life has been cruel. Even those who go to sleep hungry at night. And them lyrics right there, dumb lyrics right there sometimes just don't sound quite right. But I heard you. I heard you through tracks that ran up and down arms from getting high in the middle of the night. From lies that caused you to be tongue-tied. From scratches on his back from making sweet love for the very first time. I, I even heard a couple that prayed together with a combination of baritone and alto, giving a perfect pitch. So for all the lyrics who thought no one heard you, for all the lyrics who thought no one heard you, know that I heard you. I heard you coming from alleyways. I heard you through babies left in trash cans. From long bus rides home so you can embrace loving arms. From hearts that beat irregular to generational curses that went unseen. Remember, I heard you. Because everybody got a song that needs to be sung. For lyrics that were cased in bars and prisoned by a system that refused to believe that they were stars from outcries that were felt in the pit of your soul. You see, I heard the beauty of a story that went untold. So if nobody did or ever wanted to, remember, I listen just for you. Remember, I heard you lyrics because everybody has a song that needs to be sung. Welcome back, everyone, to the Beautiful Butterfly Show. I'm your host, Bianca Fly. Man, I hope you guys are enjoying our show tonight with special guest Floetic Flow in the building. We're discussing her new album, Floetic Tears. You guys, if you're out there listening, you got a question, a comment, or you just want to call in and show us some love, you can do that. All you got to do is call in at 347-326-9139 is the number. All you have to do is press the number one. Or you can do something even better. You can go... 
uh, to your Google Play and download the YRN, that's your radio network, 1328 on your phone, the app, and you can listen to us 24-7, not just only the Beautiful Butterfly Show, but other awesome shows that we have on this platform, on this network. Um, you can listen to music, all kinds of stuff. So go download that app on your phone, and you can listen to it, um, enjoy all of the good stuff that your radio network has to bring. And once again, I want to invite you guys to the Let Your Voice Be Heard sexual awareness event taking place uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, you guys, uh, put on by no other than Kenyatta York, you guys. Um, it is going on in Decatur, Georgia, at the Decatur Art House. That's April 9th uh, from 6 to 9 p.m. Uh, make sure you guys, if you're in the surrounding areas, go out, support, get your tickets. You can go to eventbrite.com. Uh, to the Let Your Voice Be Heard event. Purchase your ticket there. Um, it's going to be a fashion show, music, spoken word, live art, poetry, man, you name it, it's going to be a good time and people sharing their story on sexual assault. So big shout out to Kenyatta York and your radio network for being a sponsor of this awesome event, you guys. So we're going to get back to flow, you guys. And um, I wanted to ask you, Flo, uh, when it came to this piece, on lyrics, uh, what made you decide, you know, going through the things that you went uh, with your daughter? Um, and you mentioned earlier in the show of the, of the tumors um, that she had. What made you decide to compile that um, into a piece um, for other folks to be able to listen to? Well, um, my first of all, my baby found her tumor on her own. Mm. Um, she wow. said that it was something wrong And I was like what are you talking about She's like there's something going in my breast And I was like no it's probably a lymphoid She was like no nah, I did some research And blah 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 I was like, You did some research So we took her to the doctor and everything And um, it was growing rapidly um, It started off It was like 3.5 By the time we had surgery um, It was a double sided 6 centimeter tumor Wow Um they thought it was because it was growing, because that's one of the things that make uh, uh, from a benign tumor to a malignant tumor, it, it grows rapidly. So they really thought that, it, that she was going to have cancer. And she she was kind of asking me, she kept asking me, Mama, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Um, because of my relationship and where I'm at with, with God and because I'd seen my own mother lose eight children, my mother says grandmother, my baby was kind of thinking I didn't hear her, but I heard her. And what I told her was is that we were going to be okay. We might not have liked the ending of the story, but we were going to go on the journey. So right. I was like, you know, we may not be happy with the ending lyric, but in the big picture, we're going to be okay. And and it was mm. hard for me to say that. And she kept saying, like, no. I mean, basically, I, I was I was pretty much saying, God, if you need my child more than I do, I won't like it, but I'll accept it. Hmm. And it wow. made me think about all the lyrics and all the voices that think that they're not being heard when, in actuality, you do hear them. Sometimes you don't have nothing to say to respond when because she kept saying, what are we going to do? She was like, you know, like, how, how are we going to fix this? He wanted me to know, like, how are we going to fix this? And I was like, I, I don't know, right. but I hear you. Right. I hear you. Right. And what is and what is that like for 
a mother um, because, of course, you're, you're feeling some type of way, your um, emotions and all of that. What is that like to kind of having to control your own emotions while, you know, trying to soothe and, and talk your daughter uh, through the possibility or the process or possibilities of what could and, and could not happen? I mean, I went I went from sad to mad mm-hmm. to reality to finding to finding peace. Because in a big picture, in a big picture, butterflies, it ain't really nothing we can do about death. Right. It's, there, there's yeah. nothing. And what I learned was, like I said, I see my own mother lose eight children. I was just kind of like, you know, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing I can do, so I can't hope. But at first, I was kind of like, wait a minute, I'm doing all this stuff in the community and da 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 da, and I'm playing with this. Because sometimes I think that when you do certain things, when you give to the world, you feel like that you're not supposed to, certain things you're supposed to be excluded from. Right. You kind of like, wait, I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. And in the big picture, it, it don't have anything to do with that, you know. Um, you, you got stories that that they need to come about through tragedy, through you know healing, through whatever way. Mm-hmm. So right. I, I just kind of had to be like, no use in me being sitting around mad. Now I was hurt. My feelings were still hurt, you know, because mm-hmm. God knows I ain't perfect. I ain't gonna sit here and be like, oh no, I was I was hurt. I was, right. you know, it was. It, kind of discord, like, oh, but at the same time, I was like, mm, it, it, it ain't nothing you can do about it, but try to get through this as pleasant as you can, Absolutely. for everybody's sake. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I wanted to ask you as far as, um, is it always easy to um, be able to express yourself, even though you're a poet? Um, spoken word artists and you you interact with people. Is it always um, that that moment? Is there are there any moments where you just find ways that you can express yourself or how you feel in or what you actually through? actually sometimes it's really hard for me. Both of my um, birth yeah. parents are deaf, um, okay. so I get really tongue tied a lot of times. Right. Um, Girl, I would mess a name up in 2.5 seconds. <laughs> I'll mess a name up, and I'll mess a word up and everything. And sometimes people are so judgmental because sometimes I'll mess something up, and people will be like, oh, my gosh, you're supposed to be a writer, a poet, blah, blah, blah. blah. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that, ain't, that ain't what that means. You know what right. I'm saying? I mean, it means, you know, that I play around with words and everything. It don't mean that I'm not going to mess anything up, you know. Right. So oftentimes right. because I, I don't want – what I say to sound, um, I don't want it to sound repetition of what, of what it is. So I'm just kind of like, hey, well, wait a minute, how can I say this a different way? And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I have to marinate it. Sometimes it takes me two, three weeks to write a poem and stuff because yeah. I just be playing around think, with the words um, in my head. Be, being a poet, do you think people expect perfection from poets? Um, especially when it comes to your writing yeah, um, and maybe how you start to describe it. Yeah. Yeah, especially when you're a known poet and you out there, you're doing a little different things. Um, the famous one, like sometimes I go places and stuff and I perform and people who didn't know I do poetry, most people know, but 
they don't know. And they be like, oh, you know, I'm a poet too. I write too, you know. And I, I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, <laughs> right. right, like, you're like, well, maybe I'll come to an open mic. Okay, do that. That's that's what you do. You you do that. I don't have a problem with you doing that. I'm okay with you doing right. that. You know, Um, but I try to get people to understand, though, I don't just write poetry. I eat, sleep, breathe, and use the bathroom with poetry. So I'm like, (laughs) you know, it's a totally different different thing, but I want you to do what you feel like you need to do. Mm. Even when I put, I'm an independent artist, you know, um, once again, shout out to Bill Peters for believing in me and supporting me for his books and stuff like that. Um, but for a CD, that's something that that Michael Crump and I we get together and we fund our own projects and he researches on how to get me on iTunes and Reverb Nation and everything because right. we are team me and we believe in me and I, I believe Absolutely. that God has given me a mission. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To put yeah. words out there. That's so yeah. that's that's what I do. You know, awesome. I enjoy it. Awesome. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, speaking of putting words out there, you guys, I'm going to play a, another track. Um, and, and the title in itself, when I first saw it, kind of threw me off a bit, you guys. I was like, oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> but then when you listen to it, uh, it, it definitely brings uh, a, a different meaning uh, to it, you guys. And she has a piece um, entitled Ejaculation. Um, and I know you guys are like, what? Yes, you guys. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Just... <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna play this one, you guys. We're gonna come back and we're gonna find out what's, what's really going on behind uh, this track, you guys. We're on with Flow Edit Flow on the Beautiful Butterfly Show, and this is ejaculation from her album Flow Edit Tears. There are little girls who are still scared. Little girls with secrets to chase them up and down the tunnel of life. The secrets go by name and titles such as Uncle Rob, Cousin John, and maybe even Daddy. Sometimes the secrets are even referred to as Mama or Big Mom, as the words What goes on in this house, stays in this house, echo the sounds of footsteps running. The little girls run from their secrets as fast as they can. And and rather than turn around and look the secrets straight in the eye, they continue to run. The little girls run into womanhood and become women who give birth to lies by no fault of their own. Simply because the majority of their lifetime, their bellies have been filled with death. Death that was due to the pre-ejaculation of mistrust into a garden that was not yet ready to grow. Which caused them not to give a damn about their self-worth. And, and once, once the cycle began, once the rotten seeds were embedded in their wounds, they became accessible and damaged by weeds that were ejaculated by the mishaps of life. Ejaculate deception. Ejaculate generational curses. Ejaculate it's okay for me to touch you right there. Ejaculate you want a piece of candy. 
Ejaculate, Papa was a rolling stone. Ejaculate, you're so damn dark. Ejaculate, why can't you have good hair like your sister? Ejaculate, sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Ejaculate, it, it, it feels so good. He, he, he must love me. Ejaculate, you look just like his black ass. Ejaculate, there are little girls who are still scared. Little girls who will grow into women and still be scared. Simply because no one ever thought enough of them to stop the world from ejaculating onto their souls. Instead, instead it forced them to open their legs wide in an early age and taught them to enjoy the art of ejaculation and convinced them that it was okay for the world to treat them that way, that it was okay for them to like it raw, despite the fact that they were left crying themselves to sleep at night. Despite the fact that there were scabs and scars that would eventually grow ugly and hard, leaving them to believe, leaving them to think that they would never be beautiful. So yes, there are little girls who are still scared. Little girls who will grow into women, who will run as fast as they can, trying to escape the secrets of their lives. Run, baby. Run. Run as fast as you can. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Beautiful Butterfly Show. And we are on with Flow at Flow. And if you are just listening, that was her track entitled Ejaculation. So, of course, the folks want to know, how did this uh, piece come about? Man, last last year I wrote that piece. Um mm-hmm. And it was just kind of like some some really dark stuff um, had happened. And let me just say this. um, We don't warn our children enough against Mm. predators. And of all kinds, whether it's it's men, whether it's women, whether it's children, especially whether it's children. You want your your children to be aware of adults. You don't want your children to be aware of children. Mm. And once again, it it took me to a place where I was just kind of like, God, like, you know, when when will they stop ejaculating Mm -hmm. bull onto our souls and our spirits? Mm -hmm. And I got it, and I just kind of think, you know, because ejaculation has, most people, when you hear that word, you think of only one thing. And I'm like, no, it doesn't have to be just that because the world ejaculates a whole lot of stuff onto our spirit. And I'm actually, um, I'm actually, I got to get with, shouts out to China Blue for my cover um, and my book cover. She did my book cover. I got to kind of get with her because we're actually going to do um, a documentary um, based on that piece, a spoken word documentary. Nice. Um, using yeah. that piece, so I'm trying to um, get women 
Um, I have a few, but I'm trying to get women to come forth and, you know, maybe tell their stories of how the molestation in their life affected them, how the mistrust, um, how the being told they were too dark or being told their hair wasn't good enough, how that affected them in growing into womanhood. Because a lot of those issues that we deal with do affect us into womanhood and stuff. You know, uh, we fight to be skinny. We fight to be, you know, thick. We fight to be a lighter shade. We fight for long hair. We fight, to, you know, we we always fighting for mm-hmm. something. And it's simply because of what the world ejaculated upon us, making us think that we're supposed to take that rather than be our own person. Right. right. And, and And we run from it. And actually, until we're ready to face it, it's best that we run from it. Because if you face it and you're not ready to face it, it'll consume you trying to be what it is the world wants you to be. Now, at some right. point, you do got to turn around and look your sickness straight in the eye, whether it's your molest- molester, whether, you know, it's... um. The bleach water and stuff, meaning, you know, you had more grandmas in the south and stuff when you was real dark that you mm-hmm. bathed in bleach water, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So you, you got the thing in it, your skin was never good enough. You got to face them secrets. Wow. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, and love you gone wrong, when you, all of that. I mean, when you, when you, when you mentioned about how... Um, when we don't warn our kids enough, um, do you think that, because you have a lot of parents who dealt with being molested or sexually assaulted in some type of way or abused physically, and they say nothing. Their children never have any idea that mom or dad went through these things until that moment that it occurs, you know, to them, to their child. So do you think that a lot of parents are afraid to to sit down and share these stories of this is what happened to mama, this is what happened to daddy, and I don't want it to happen to you, and, you know, kind of giving them, you know, the signs and warning signs instead of just having that, you know, just that mentality of, okay, well, that happened in my past, but I'm not going to share it. Because a lot of times, you know, and I hear stories about it all the time, that it comes back to, you know, haunt people that, these same things happen to their children that they never talk to them about. I think, and it, it, I think that that happens that our parents don't share it enough. But the one thing that my one of my girlfriends, the poet here in Zingaburg, pointed out to me was that a lot of things we've made acceptable in today's society. So, for example, I was thirteen um, when I was dealing with with my child's father, my oldest child's father, he was 18, 19. So when we had our baby, I was 14, and he was 19 going on 20. Now, that was molestation. Hmm. That was molestation. Right. At the time, I was kind of like, well, no, because I thought I was mature, blah, 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 blah. No. You know, or I had I had a, a brother that was mentally challenged, and, you know, he, he would – he would he would suck my my chest that wasn't quite ready yet and everything and stuff. And when I told about it, they was like, well, you know, you stay out of here because something wrong with him. You know, you know he got issues, da 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 He did, but guess what? That was molestation. So a lot of things that go on in today's world, 
We have accepted. We've accepted young girls messing around with older men. That's molestation. Right. We've accepted right. young boys when they get something from an older woman and everything. Is he getting some cutty? He being a man. That's molestation. Mm. Mm. Right. right. That's molestation, and our world is so backwards. Butterfly, that we have made allowances for things like that to happen on our children. But then when they grow up, all these issues. So you're a young boy, and you 12 years old, and you got this 20-something, maybe 30, because I heard some stories, some 30-year-old, and she messing around with you and everything and stuff. So when you get older and you start messing around with young women, you don't think anything wrong with that because nobody right. stopped it when it was happening to you. Mm, yeah. Yep. So your in your right. mind you like, well what's the issue? Mhm. Yeah. But in the big picture that's the, molestation. Right. And and the thing about it is that a lot of people, you know, because it's talked among about things that happen to women, but man, Flo, I, I would say you would be surprised well, I know you're not surprised, but over the years people would be surprised as the amount of men who I have had conversations with whom dealt with Older women messing with them when they were younger, you know, having that, Man, that you know, having that sexual yeah. experience with older women, and, and I'm not talking like 12 years old, you guys. I'm talking like 10, nine years old, and right. it's some grown right. women messing with them, right? You know, so so me and yeah. my guy, one of me and my guy cousins, we was sitting around, we was talking one day and stuff, and we was talking about a step cousin and everything and stuff. And, you know, I I didn't want to be friends with the step cousin because she did some stuff to me when we was younger. She was older than both of us and stuff. And we sitting there and he like, you know, she used to always make me have sex with her, blah, blah, blah. And I said, She made you have sex with her And he said, Yeah, and I said, She made me have she act like she was having sex with me, blah, 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 blah. And we both wow. looked at each other. Now, in my world, that was molestation, blah, 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 blah. And in his world, you know, he was a young boy. He was getting some, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, uh-huh. no, she was an adult. She was an adult. That was molestation. You know? Yeah. And, mm. and that's why the peace ejaculation came forth because I'm like, listen, we cannot continue to function in a dysfunctional society. We can't. Wow. You're right. You're right. Absolutely. And it's those conversations that, you know, that don't take place and how people perceive things. And like you said, you know, for for some guys, it looks that, oh, yeah, you know, I got that first piece and so forth, but they're not looking like, in actuality, you, you got molested, you know, well, because and that's, that person That's why knew. I wrote Floetic Tears, because yeah. I, I want people to think about these pieces. And that's well, that's why we produce Floetic Tears, because we want people to think about them. We want people to hear my, my voice as I say the words and everything, and they can put some thought to it and be like, wait, wait a minute. It's not... It's not your average poetry CD. I didn't do it to be like Pop Pop is. I did it so people can heal because it was part mm-hmm. of my healing. Right. And I'm hoping that it would be somebody, part of somebody else's healing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, man, I'm, speaking of that, um, one of the tracks that I'm, I'm getting ready to play um, was my was one of my faves. Like, I, I loved all of the ones that um, – I have heard, but this one, um, I, I really listened to it because um, it reminded me of, of some of the things that some of my friends have, have experienced, and, and, and this one is entitled Motherless Child. And one of the things about 
um, this, and, and I'm, I'm going to talk about it after we listen to the track, but um, a lot of people um, can take this title a lot of different ways, and so I, I want to discuss that uh, when we come back. Um, but I'm going to play this track for you guys uh, so that you guys can have an opportunity to listen to it here live on the Beautiful Butterfly Show. You guys, this is Motherless Child from Slowetic Tears by the one and the only Slowetic Flow. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child Sometimes I feel like a motherless child Sometimes I feel like a motherless child Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Every now and then, I feel her creeping through my memories. And I wonder, does she ever think about me? She's got my emotions feeling a little perplexed all because she left. She's got me feeling like I'm undeserving, like I'm unworthy of knowing a mother's love. But I knew, I knew the moment he ejaculated me into her womb that it was way too soon. That she wasn't ready yet to be the woman I needed her to be. So sometimes, I try not to question why she parted with her unmature seed. She couldn't watch me grow, had no time to sow her love into me. She walked away and never looked back because for her, for her I was a harsh reality. But I still wonder, does she ever think about me? On that one day a year, does my birth bleed through her and disturb her sanctuary? Or is the situation quite contrary and she feels tranquility? Because she thinks she did the best by me. When she when she reads the paper and kids are found dead in the street, does it ever occur to her that that might have been me? Does she play along with the fantasy that I am a motherless child? Does she accept the fact that she wasn't around? And I, I think to myself, how can she live with what she did? I feel a little jealous sometimes, wondering... Does she have more kids? I ponder the thought, did she keep them? Which brings me to question myself and ask, was it something that I did? But then I stopped because I knew it was way too soon, the moment he ejaculated me into her womb, that she wasn't ready to be the woman I needed her to be. So I remain a motherless child. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Sometimes I feel like a motherless 
out a long way from home, a long, 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 long way from home. And welcome back, everyone, to the Beautiful Butterfly Show. I am your host, Bianca Fly, you guys. That was Motherless Child Flow. I'm going to tell you, this track almost had me weeping, like weeping. Um, it, it was yeah, one of those that, pieces that's one of the pieces that's hard for me to do, too. Yeah. Like, it's it's, it's one of those things, and, and what I was saying before the, before we played it is that when in terms of a, a motherless child, um, and, and you can tell me if you agree or disagree with it, but for me, I think – a lot of times people think a motherless child is, you know, some a mother who has abandoned her child, somebody else raising her, and that could be the case. But sometimes people have mothers who are not just not present. You right. know, they're not present. Right. They're not there. Like you might see them every day, but they're not present. It's meaning that yeah, they're, they're going through the motion. Situation. Yeah, they're, they're so far removed. They're going through the motion of day-to-day things, and they just are not present. Uh, the child never feels that love, that affection, that connection uh, that, a, that a, a child may be able to have uh, with their mother. Uh, so um, I think a lot of people have experienced that. And a lot of times they, when when you're not shown love, it's hard for you to show other people love, you know, because right. you haven't been um, shown it yourself. So uh, give us um, your perspective on what made you uh, create this piece. Well, first let me say shout out to to Kaya Manning for um, the vocals and to Parish Monk for doing all the music on the other songs and their on the tracks. Um, Kaya, she she did that piece with me, and I think her voice um, made me more just kind of like tune in to being a motherless child. Um, you know, my grandmother raised me. She mm-hmm. was the best mother that she knew she could be for me. But at the same time, she wasn't, and no fault of her own because I was a grandchild, mm-hmm. I felt that not presence that you were talking about. Like she wasn't interested in the same thing. You know, she was just trying to raise me. So it wasn't important to her that, you know, I ran track for high school or it wasn't important Mm -hmm. to her, you know, that I was participating in spelling bees and stuff like that. Uh, Because she was there, but she wasn't present in my life. Don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm. she loved me. She loved me with all her heart. Things that I needed her to be present in, she just she wasn't because she was yeah. she wasn't she wasn't my mother, she was my grandma, mm-hmm. right? And then you know for my for my mother, she was completely um, absent. Period. So even when I had my my baby um, at the age of fourteen, that was always one of my driving forces because I was always worried that I would not be present enough in her life. Mm. You know, I I didn't want to be I didn't want to be an absent 
mother. Right. Even though I didn't know what I was doing because I was only 14, 15 years old, I didn't want to be an absent mother, which is crazy because at that age you almost got to kind of be one because you don't know what you're doing. Right. And what? how did you make sure um, that you were present? Because like we say, it's, it's a difference in, you know, just being there, you know, okay, well, mom's here. But how did you make sure that you were present and your children knew that you were present um, in their lives. I have an intimate relationship with each and every one of my children. Okay. Um, you can have a relationship with somebody, and that's one thing, but to have an intimate relationship is a, is a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Each one of my, my children, um, all children especially, but each one of them has their own time with me, and they're special in their own right. And it's it's really hard. It's hard, you know, uh, when you're a mother of, of 3.5, and I say 3.5 children because I have three children that I've had, but I've had four, um, one that I helped raise, and she's just as much my baby as, as any of the other three that I've actually had. So you always got to carve out your little niche. You know, I, I, I hug them. I, you know, I ask them about their day. I call them. I have conversations with them and everything, you know, just between, you know, each and every one of them because I want them to know that I, I am in presence. I'm here. I'm here if you need me. Right. You know, I'm available. You know, and it's kind of hard now because they're getting older and I'm getting older and stuff. They still, I mean, it's crazy because they still <laughs> like their little itty-bitty kids and stuff. I'm like, yeah, yeah. yes, you're a joke, you know. <laughs> My 20-year-old son, I tell him all the time, I'm like, Man, you about to get a wife soon because you about to wear me out. Because he'll call me and just like ask me for anything. Like, like, hey, I need the da da da. I'm like, what? Like, but that's that. That's the goods and the bads for having that intimate relationship. You know, I'm glad they feel like they can tell me anything because they can. I want Absolutely. them to. You know, Absolutely. I want to be present. Absolutely. Like, even the stuff. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was say, and, and, and it's important. A lot of people, you know, and that's the thing because you have a lot of people who feel like, well, I'm there, I'm in the home, they see me. Um, and, and we, you know, you hear the stories about how many so many people have watched their fathers maybe sit there and just watch the TV every night, all day, but they never interact with their kids. They never go outside and play ball with their son. So there's no connection. You know, you have moms who they, and, and don't get me wrong, um, I, I know how it is, uh, you know, being in the house, taking care of the house, laundry, cooking, and cleaning. But there are moments where those things have to take a back seat, and your connection with your child is the thing that is the most important. Because at the end of the day, when your child, your child gets older, you know, and they're going through, and I think that's why a lot of children, you know, don't always go to their parents first because they don't have that connection, you know, because it's, they're not present. Man. They haven't made when their presence known. So, yeah. I can't get that time because them, them babies is like, we want our mama, we want our mama now. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, even when yeah. they call my job, they like your baby's on the phone. I'm like, I'm in a meeting. <laughs> and I know your baby's on the phone. <laughs> they like, we want our mama now. <laughs> like, that's just all of this to it and stuff. And some, my oldest one, she always go, okay, okay, I got something to tell you. Take your mama head off. And I'm like, I don't want to take my mama head off, man, because I don't even want to hear what it is you're getting ready to tell me. Sometimes she gets ready to tell me something <laughs> crazy. She like take your mama head off. You don't have your mama head on, but it's cool that she can do that with me and say like, look, I, I want to tell my mom what's going on, 
But I want right. to take my mama had her mama had off because I do realize that she's my mother. So that yeah. kind of tell me like I've done both parts. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. You can't be mad I, at I that. Definitely... You, know, you, you can't be mad at that. Yes. Yeah. This is an awesome, awesome track. I, I definitely love it. It definitely uh, resonates a lot with me and, and, and just thinking um, about people who have experienced a lot uh, with their relationships with their parents. So definitely love it. Um, what I want to do is I want to take a little break. Um, it's Thursday. You guys know I uh, like to put a, a throwback track on for the uh, people on here. So what I want to do is I'm going to go to a little music break, you guys. We're going to come back. We've got a special treat, you guys. Flow at it Flow is going to bless y'all. She's going to bless y'all with a, a live piece um, tonight as well. And um, I'm excited about that. I love hearing pieces live. So if you're out there, you're listening, you still got time to call in. The number is 347-326-9139 is the number. Uh, you can call in, listen, or, you know, if you want to show some love, say hey and, and all that good stuff, uh, I'm pretty sure she will appreciate it. Um, and for those of you that are on the phone line, if you do have a question or comment, all you have to do is press the one, and I'll bring you on here. So we're going to jump to this throwback track, you guys. This is After Party. But y'all remember the group Coffee Brown? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to feel a little Coffee Brown. They're going to come back with more right here on the beautiful Butterfly Show. And you don't stop, keep, keep it on, keep it on, keep, keep it on. You don't stop, keep, keep it on, keep, keep it on. Where the party at?
Beautiful Butterfly Show would like to thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram. That's at Instagram.com forward slash The Beautiful Butterfly Show. Also on Facebook.com forward slash The Beautiful Butterfly Show. And last but certainly not least, you can also catch up with us on Twitter. That's at Twitter.com forward slash The Beautiful Butterfly Show. And thank you once again for tuning in on behalf of the Vibration Radio Network. And welcome back, everyone, to the Beautiful Butterfly Show. I'm your host, Bianca Fly. Thank you guys for tuning in tonight. Man, I hope you guys have enjoyed yourself with Floetic Flow tonight as we have discussed her life, her journey, the ups, downs, the good, the bad, and in between, and all that good stuff tonight as we have discussed her album, Floetic Tears. Um, man, I, I hope you guys enjoyed that throwback there. So, Flo, Tell the folks out here, uh, before we get to hear uh, your piece, um, tell them where they can go um, and purchase Floetic Tears. Well, currently you can purchase it on Reverb Nation. You can purchase it on iTunes. It's available Mm -hmm. on Amazon. Um, If you see me out, I got them in my trunk. You know, all that good (laughs) stuff. (laughs) That is the way to be always on the grind, getting it out there to the folks as well. And so, yeah, that's a lesson Jamie Bond taught me. Always be hustling. Absolutely, she is the queen of hustles. A big shout out to Jamie Bond, uh, you guys, who is also a dynamic. Uh, poet as well, man. She she definitely rocked as well. And so, with this album, uh, what do you want when people? Um, of course, you said this this album is definitely um, um, a, a journey of wordplay, taking its listeners from trial to testimony to triumph. Um, at the end of the day, when when people go and purchase uh, Floetic Tears, uh, what do you want them to walk away um, thinking and remembering when it comes to this album as they listen to it and as they re-listen to it uh, over and over again? I want them to realize that it's okay to ask questions of the world. It's okay to um, not be successful in everything that you do, but at the same time have the mindset that I got to keep trying, I got to keep going to understand, yeah, some things happen to you in your life, but at the same time um, it did not destroy you from being the person that you were going to be and that there are other people out there just like you that have went through some things, but together we're going to overcome some things. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And I want, you know what? I want them to say it's a good body of work. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, you know what, she she put her heart in it. It's a good body of work. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like it, you guys. It is definitely um, an awesome album. You guys definitely go purchase. I'm going to be putting it on the Beautiful Butterfly Show page as well as um, my personal page, Bianca Fly, as well, so you guys can purchase that. Um, and let us know. Let let us know. Um, artists always love to know what you think about their work, good, bad, or indifferent. 
Uh, so hit her up, let her know what you think about it and all that good stuff. And, uh, man, I, I definitely appreciate everybody coming through tonight. And, of course, um, I, I know everybody has been anticipating um, Flo doing her piece for us tonight. So uh, what piece you got for us tonight, Flo? My guy, let me swallow a dictionary today. <laughs> name of that piece. Awesome. All right. Yeah. <coughs> My God, let me swallow a dictionary today. And ever since then, things ain't been the same. Now, I inhaled alphabets until my belly swelled and made me sick. And the regurgitation, the regurgitation was a condemn of metaphors and similes, antonyms and synonyms. And just when I thought I threw up my last, out of my mandible came stanzas and they began to dance. My verbs and nouns begin to sound profound. I begin to flow Edgar Allan Poe's woes, spit Sonia Sochez's prose. Because I now understood why the cage bird could sing. You see, she, like me, could now explain the satire that causes so much pain. Now, people often say my sonnets and ballads sound lyrically enraged, but it is no more than the righteous word play that God let me inhale that day. But still, I pray that my tongue will refrain from speaking everything that my medulla obligata conceives it to say. Because the sword could be deadly, and I would rather walk than crawl up crystal stairs. You see, I, I believe that God has a purpose for everything, so I know my heaven must be near. So now, now I use my ink to find my fears, because false evidence appearing real, well, it can still. It'll kill throughout the years. So hopefully the freedom of expression that God gave me will let me live. Because after all, my God did let me swallow a dictionary that day, and ever since then, things ain't been the same. It's been a fluctuation, a mixture of syllables to explain my existence. I, I now use catchphrases and their definitions to inspire mental pictures. I'll spit to anybody that'll listen, because I want y'all to remember that when I write, I die. And so far, I've attended my funeral over a thousand times. Now, they say poetry once saved a life, but it really just opened up the vortex of my mind. It made my reality come alive. And now, now with facts on paper, I wonder, God, do you see me when I cry? Because sometimes I still feel as though I may die. But I know he hears me every time I put a pen in my hand or I step up to a mic stand. But still, still, sometimes I'm forced to ask, Father, does reading scripture make sense without the definition? And if so, well, don't that just make it meaningless literature? But then I stopped because I figured it's probably why my God let me swallow a dictionary that day. In peace. Awesome. Love it. Love it. I love the title. <laughs> love, love the title. Man, it has been amazing having you on the show tonight, and a big shout out to everybody who called in and showed you some love um, tonight because you definitely deserve it. So, of course, I know you just got done with this album, but is there a possibility of a fourth one in the making? Uh, what's going on next for uh, Flow Where They Flow? Well, like I said, I'm gonna try to get the um, I'm trying to get the documentary and everything together, and right. the last piece on um. This city is called Hello World, and it's kind of just like an introduction. Like you know what, I'm I'm awake now. I've been asleep. Um, had some things going on, but here I am. And I'm hoping with that, um, yeah, I'm hoping to come way your way soon. Maybe to get some some speaking engagements and some some features. Not 
because I'm trying to move on. I'm always going to be a poet, but I'm trying to move into the arena of motivational speaker. So I'm hoping to get some things with that. And most definitely, there's always a possibility of a fourth album. Um, right. You know, uh, Bill Peters and I, he's been asking me for a couple pieces to put in a book. We had talked about doing a children's book at one point in time. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward um, to some things in the future for Floetic Flow. Absolutely. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Love it, love it, love it. And once again, you guys, you can purchase it um, available on Reverb Nation as well as Amazon, you guys, that Flow Edit Tears. And it's been an honor having you on the show tonight. I definitely appreciate you coming by and sharing this time with us. You got any final words you want to say to the folks out here listening? I appreciate everybody that's came through tonight. Um, I appreciate everybody that listened. Um, butterfly, I appreciate you. You always gonna be my butterfly to me, um, just because that's how I met you. You was my butterfly then, you my butterfly now. Um, and next Tuesday, if you're in the Cincinnati area, please come by my my CD um, listening party at um, Brownstone on Reading Road with Doo Wop and Samantha. She speaks. They're hosting it for me. You know, we love to see some people out, even if you're in the Indiana, whatever area you're in. If you can make it, they come. So. Right. You know, and until next time, I, I appreciate you guys. Awesome, awesome. Well, you guys have heard it here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show once again. So, so I definitely appreciate you. And uh, definitely, guys, make sure you go out and, and cop this um, album. You are not going to be disappointed. And I hope you have a great rest of your night and the week and weekend and all that good stuff. And I will be talking with you again soon. Thanks, sis. I appreciate you. All right. All right, you guys, that was Flow at Flow. Make sure you guys go and connect with her on Facebook, you guys. That's Flow Floetic, uh, Flow Floetic Malone on Facebook, you guys. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, she is an awesome, awesome woman. Um, and as you heard, her, her words definitely speak volumes um, to the magnitude. I'm telling you, she is just an awesome person. As you guys heard, the folks coming here, and she's available on Twitter. You guys at Flow at Flow 100. You guys, so go and follow her on Twitter. Make sure you're keeping up what she's doing, where she's at. She might be performing right in your neck of the woods, so definitely take advantage of that opportunity. Once again, I want to say thank you to all of the callers out there. I definitely appreciate you guys uh, supporting and hanging out with us this evening. It's always an honor and a privilege to have some dynamic poets and, and supporters in the building. So, of course, we're going to have to do this again. So you guys have to stay tuned to see who our next uh, poetry feature is, you guys. So I appreciate you guys. I'm going to see you guys back here on Tuesday. Yes, we'll be back on Tuesday right here at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And, of course, we got a new guest for you guys. We got Linda D. Wadley. She is the author of um, a soldier's backpack. She's talking about uh, soldiers and the PTSD they experience coming back um, from war and their day-to-day um, activities, you guys. So it's um, definitely going to be a great show. So make sure you guys tune in for that. Support that that's going on Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show. Once again, thank you so much to Floetic Flow for coming on here, blessing us with these tracks from Floetic Tears. Man, I tell you guys, I definitely truly, truly enjoyed her um, coming on here tonight, you guys. It has been a privilege 
So I'm going to play another track. I'm going to play my favorite track from her. Uh, we're going to go out with Motherless Child again right here. You got to go and purchase that album available on Rebirth Nation and Amazon.com entitled Floetic Tears. So he is Motherless Child, and I'll see you guys back again next week. I am Bianca Fly, and thank you for tuning in. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child Sometimes I feel like a motherless child Sometimes I feel like a motherless Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Every now and then, I feel her creeping through my memories. And I wonder, does she ever think about me? She's got my emotions feeling a little perplexed all because she left. She's got me feeling like I'm undeserving, like I'm unworthy of knowing a mother's love. But I knew, I knew the moment he ejaculated me into her womb that it was way too soon. That she wasn't ready yet to be the woman I needed her to be. So sometimes, I try not to question why she parted with her unmature seed. She couldn't watch me grow, had no time to sow her love into me. She walked away and never looked back because for her, for her I was a harsh reality. But I still wonder, does she ever think about me? On that one day a year, does my birth bleed through her and disturb her sanctuary? Or is the situation quite contrary and she feels tranquility? Because she thinks she did the best by me. When she when she reads the paper and kids are found dead in the street, does it ever occur to her that that might have been me? Does she play along with the fantasy that I am a motherless child? Does she accept the fact that she wasn't around? And I, I think to myself, how can she live with what she did? I feel a little jealous sometimes, wondering... Does she have more kids? I ponder the thought, did she keep them? Which brings me to question myself and ask, was it something that I did? But then I stopped because I knew it was way too soon. The moment he ejaculated me into her womb. That she wasn't ready to be the woman I needed her to be. So I remain a motherless child. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Sometimes I feel like a motherless.